Welcome to the Sunday, August 27th edition of the PFF forecast. It is um, feels like forever, but it is so close. We are so close to actual football. We actually had to suppress our desire to talk about week one in earnest. We will get there, but we've got a great podcast uh, here. We've got NFL uh, quarterback total interceptions for the season. We're going to hit that market. We're going to talk a little bit of the tour championship, recap some of the bets there. Fortunately, speak did not come through for me, but some other good tidbits that we had. And then we'll close out. We've got an announcement, an announcement about the Circa Millions contest. It should be a lot of fun. So let's rock. You had a great weekend because you were out in a different country in Canada. I've heard the blackjack tables were kind to you. Were the tour champions uh, championship bets as, as kind? Uh, they weren't unkind. You know, I think we identified a lot of good players, Xander Shoffley, Colin Morikawa, both going super low and jumping into contention. Um, I had a top five ticket, I think on both guys. The round one matchup didn't go our way. Obviously, we didn't have the winner, but I don't know. Cantlay, Wyndham Clark, like a lot of names we threw out there. Hopefully, people bet them in creative ways. Uh, but yeah, shout out Montreal, a wonderful, wonderful metropolis in uh, Canada. What was the Has best anyone ever said that about Montreal? That what? It's metropolis or that it's Canadian? I don't think what? anyone's ever said that about Montreal. I think I think they mostly focus on the French-Canadian side of it. You know, maybe the people's manners. Uh, yeah, metropolis, so- that's... Were the bagels good? Were they that good that it's it's a metropolis now? Dude, well, first of all, I didn't realize it is spread out. It's not like you're not in the downtown, but it's like the sixth most populous uh, city in the North America, I think, which I didn't realize. And maybe that was the wrong stat, but it's definitely top 10 uh, because we had this debate while we were there. Uh, You write it down, folks. If you're in Montreal, go to Pied du Cochon for one of the top 15 meals of my life. It was out of this world, George. We were getting bottles of red. We were getting tequila. You would have been proud of us. Uh, and then food, just food for days. Uh, no, we loved it. It was awesome. Very, very cool. Great food. The people, unlike Parisians, are nice. Um, you know, they definitely were like these Americans and their white sneakers need to like be loud elsewhere. Uh, but they were nice about it. You know, they were, and we were loud. So it, it, it all made sense. The food there is insane. It, it really is very good for a lot of people who are sitting there going like, wow, I really wish I could go to Paris this summer. And you're like, actually, I'm not going to because like interest rates are through the freaking roof and I'm not going to spend a bajillion dollars. Like just go to Montreal and eat French food. It's really freaking good. Um, And the people are nicer to your point. Uh, Okay, that took, that was a geography lesson for everybody. (laughs) I think the ruling is that it's not a metropolis but the food, very, very good. Uh, I did not, my, my Jordan Spieth, I felt very passionately about Jordan Spieth in the Tour Championship. He actually started off very hot. He at least was going for it. He did not quite come through. But I thought the thesis, and as you pointed out, of players who are not in the lead being the ones that ultimately are going to have to go really, really low um, was was sharp. I mean, uh, Colin Morikawa, like, he had a real shot there. I think he started at three under, if I remember correctly. Um, had a real shot to win and just kind of, very un Morikawa esque, like for a couple shots, and that kind of just took him out. And, and Hovland was just dynamite. So, um, but Shoffley played very, very well, and we called that out. We talked about it. 
um, as well. Wyndham Clark, Judah, you mentioned. So I thought overall a pretty good weekend. Um, I wish I had kind of bet more. Uh, <laughs> I, I was planning on going to Vegas this weekend, ended up going, I'm going tomorrow. But I was like, if I was going to Vegas, I was just going to bet a lot live when I went there. I didn't end up doing that. But uh, we'll we'll survive uh, either way. We finally have some NFL football to bet on in a couple of weeks. Got to save up the the bullets in the chamber. Let's um, first off, if we, we're starting to get some new listeners because football season is coming around. So uh, if you are new to the podcast, welcome. If you are a veteran of the podcast, member of the Printing Press, we love you as well. If you have not joined the Printing Press Discord, now is the time to do so. The link uh, is in our Twitter descriptions. It's also in the description of this YouTube. Uh, channel if you're listening here if you cannot find it just hit us up on twitter and we'll make sure we get it to you but um now is the time we've got a couple of really cool things going on for people that are in the discord in addition to the fact that you just have a community of people who are always on the pulse of what to bet just the number one reason to get in there uh there were so many people that profited from that last year we were obviously all there for judah hitting the insane same game parlay almost hitting two in the same day um, it, it's a, it's an absolutely beautiful and delightful experience. So go get yourself involved there and get yourself ready for the season. Let's talk uh, about a market that I think is a really good way of kind of, uh, preparing for the season, which is total interceptions for quarterbacks. And this obviously contains a lot of different factors for the quarterback. One of the things which we talked about a few podcasts ago, and if you're preparing for your betting season is a good one to listen to which was the discussion on leading indicators, right? What are the things that the market is not necessarily capturing in their lines that still give you an edge? And I think this market of total interceptions is actually a great one for us to talk about because at PFF, we track and grade every single throw. And so throws that aren't intercepted, but that should be, we grade as such. And then there are also other kind of external factors around you know, how much is a quarterback expected to throw? What's his average depth of target? Um, you know, how much uh, might we expect him to be under pressure that can lead to kind of a, a more nuanced understanding of how many interceptions he might throw. So this market, um, Judah, where did you find, uh, I guess you can find this on FanDuel. Um, is the only one I'm seeing it on. Are there any others that you've seen it on? I saw it, I saw it on DraftKings and, and MGM as well. well. I'm not currently seeing okay. it. Uh, in New York, but definitely available uh, across the board. All right. So this is total interceptions in the regular season. Um, last year, of course, Dak had a bunch. We've heard about that on every single television show for the past five months. The player with the highest total is actually Joe Burrow at 12 and a half. We've got a few 11 and a half with Matt Stafford, Jordan Love, um, Dak Prescott, the aforementioned Kirk Cousins. Uh, and then a bunch of 10 and a halfs with Gino, Deshaun Watson, uh, Tua, Justin Fields, your guy, Brad, uh, Derek Carr, 10 and a half, Patrick Mahomes at 10 and a half, Kenny Pickett at 10 and a half, Jared Goff, Justin Herbert. And then uh, all the way down, and I won't list them all off, but I believe the lowest total is Aaron Rodgers at seven and a half, obviously notorious for not throwing interceptions because he hates them. And in fact, avoiding the middle of the field in order to do so. So let's get into it here, Judah. Let's start with you. Um, what are What is the first one that you like? Yeah, I'm going to go Kenny Pickett over 10 and a half minus 102. And I think the thing with, with interceptions here, uh, as you're talking about a bunch of leading indicators, I think honestly like having access to, to the pff data here is probably more helpful and smart than any other uh which is turnovers uh, especially interceptions are very fluky 
Uh, but that doesn't mean we you know, can't isolate situations that are more or less likely. And I, like, as you're reading them off, most quarterbacks are in the same boat, but we know the distribution is not necessarily going. Someone's going to throw, you know, 15, 16 interceptions. Someone's going to throw six, seven. All that is to say, uh, I'm paying attention to number one, pass attempts, because we're betting a volume stat at the end of the day. And you can have, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes still threw like 12 interceptions last year because you're throwing the ball more than any other quarterback some base rate of that is going to be an interception. That's just what happens when you uh, throw the ball. Why I like Kenny Pickett so much is something we track uh, is throws to open or tight windows. And the base rate of a throw to a tight window as charted by the FF is almost six times higher. The base rate of interception, excuse me, is like 6% on a throw to a tight window. And all other throws is basically zero, uh, which is like almost all of the interceptions are happening in tight throws. Kenny Pickett last year, Threw into tight windows 20% of the time. And interestingly enough, with the Steelers, we actually kind of have a sample uh, that's not just Kenny Pickett. Mitch Trubisky threw 25% in, into tight windows. Both of those are by far uh, most in the NFL. And that seems to suggest it's actually not a quarterback thing so much as a scheme thing, where there's just a lot of tight windows. And we've even seen just like Kenny Pickett just kind of chuck the ball up uh, to George Pickens. And like he's great at that, but a lot of those can turn into interceptions. Uh, he threw seven interceptions last year. He did not play a full season. Uh, they uh, certainly did not let him unleash the ball. I expect the Steelers to be throwing far more often and just throwing in 20%, whether it's 17%, 16%, Matt Canada is still the offensive coordinator. He's going to be throwing into a lot of tight windows. And if you're throwing, you know, 500, 600 passes, 10 and a half at, at plus money, we can get this. Uh, it's, it's very appealing to me. Uh, just from the setup of the Steelers' offense and, and by virtue of throwing a bunch of passes. I dig it. I Brad, dig it. I'm going to yeah. – oh, go ahead, George. I was going to say to you, Brad. Yeah, so I'm um, starting off with an under. Um, you know, obviously, like George said, I think we do have some data here that is, is hugely impactful and beneficial. I think you see it in the market to a degree with some players, uh, and it's not reflected for others. So – Going Mac Jones under 11 and a half here. So uh, I do think that maybe the thought process for the books is this team is going to be down a bunch to a good division, to a lot of good matchups, trying to throw their way back into games. That is a little bit scary. Of course, his receivers aren't particularly great. His offensive line isn't stellar. Uh, but for me, it comes back to Mac Jones's career interception rate is two and a half percent. His career turnover worthy play rate over the last five seasons is bottom 10 in the NFL at 2.6%. So we kind of have him getting intercepted almost every time he throws a turnover worthy pass, it has actually been caught. Um, maybe you see some regression there. He had obviously a, a horrible offensive play calling last year uh, with Matt Patricia. I think you settle things down with Bill O'Brien. I think they are going to be a, you know, run the ball, play defense, all that play action, yada, yada. Not a lot of volume here for Mac Jones. There is some late game risk for sure. Um, but I, I think his interceptions to this point uh, is not reflective of his actual, you know, riskiness or, or turnover with the play rate. Uh, I think it is a bit outsized compared to, to those rates. So I like the under 11 and a half for Mac Jones. I'll also just add to that. I, I love the bet. If Mac Jones throws a bunch of interceptions early, especially, that's exactly the sort of thing that will get him benched, right? Like, if, yeah. if his interception rate is like, you know, if he throws two picks in the first two games or, like, he's got three games and five interceptions, like, that's exactly the time where the Patriots turn to Bailey Zappi. Uh, like, I think you almost have the the under advantage of the tails of just, like, if he actually throws a bunch of interceptions, like, he'll probably be benched. It's, it's a really good point. And I, I think he's the one, I mean, are, are there other players that are kind of like that 
Um, maybe a Baker Mayfield is another um, who, you know, if he throws a bunch of interceptions as well, what's interesting about Baker and I'm not sure I actually see a number for him here. Yeah, I don't, but Baker didn't have the most absurd turnover worthy play rate. You know, he's a guy that you could potentially make a play on the under there and it could hit, you know, two ways, right? He either plays well the entire season or plays so terribly that, that he's benched. Um, before, before he goes over his number before, before I get to mine, um, if you are looking to avoid things like interceptions in life, and you probably should be, uh, so that you can bet on them in the game of football, uh, that might mean that you're looking to protect your family. And if so, high quality term life insurance is something that you should think about, uh, but you shouldn't think about it so much that it's taken up your entire life. And that's why fabric like Gerber life exists a fast and easy and trust trustable way to get yourself a high quality and affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. You don't even have to talk to anyone on the phone. You can just do it all online, go from starting to getting covered in less than 10 minutes with Fabric by Gerber Life. Here's how you do it. You go to meetfabric.com slash forecast. Again, that's m2e.fabric.com slash forecast to get started today. It is super simple, super easy. And you can be on your way to uh, betting on things like interceptions instead of worrying about your family. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available in certain states, prices, subject underwriting and health questions. Okay. So I am curious where you guys will land on this because the way that I'm approaching this, we've talked about turnover worthy plays. And if I just look at turnover worthy play rate, which is something that you get the PFF plus subscription uh, and premium stats uh, the players that are the active players with the highest turnover worthy play rate last year were Justin Fields, 4.4%, Tua, Josh Allen, Geno Smith, and Dak Prescott, the only guys with 4% or greater. And so I see that and I go, okay, 4.4%. Our guy, Justin Fields, he only threw the ball 318 times. But they invest in DJ Moore. They in you know have clearly said the thing that we're looking for him to improve upon is throwing the football. And and here's the thing: they kind of need to figure out what they want to do with Justin Fields, right? They kind of they got to put him. I'm not saying like in the fire, but under a little bit of fire, so they know. Ten and a half. I think they like to throw the ball a little bit more with him. I think he also has a fairly long leash in the sense that like. Who are they going to other than Justin Fields? Um, so I lean over. It feels wrong to me, right? For all of the reasons that like Justin Fields is super accurate in college. They're going to run the ball a bunch. But I think this year they are going to want to throw the ball more to see whether that development happens or not. And that is a pretty high rate um, at which you are throwing passes that could be intercepted. So I like over 10 and a half for Justin Fields. I go to you first, Brad. Like, is is that making you cringe? Um, because you're a Bears fan, or do you see that as a possibility? Well, first off, I'm so glad you brought up, you know, who they're going to turn to. Thank the world I brought up the fact that Tyson Badgett looked good in, in uh, preseason week two, because yeah. I don't know if you saw, but he is now the backup for your Chicago Bears. So, hey, you heard it here first, folks. So the one thing with Fields is that if you turn off sacks and scrambles, that number comes down, because I think a lot of those turnover-worthy plays were on dropbacks, but it was him holding onto the ball too long and, and getting sack fumble strips stuff like that. Um, so I don't disagree with you at all, but I do think that some of that is not, you know, throwing would be interceptions. It's tied into, um, you know, taking bad sacks and, and fumbling or almost fumbling the football. 
Yeah, I'll pull I'll pull that up without um Judah, we can get to you or your next one while I pull up that data point. Yeah, I'm gonna go Justin Herbert under 10 and a half interceptions here. This is certainly a guy who will be throwing a lot, uh, which is which is possibly the argument uh, against him. And and maybe his his A dot will be uh will be higher this year under Kellen Moore. Uh, I'm still not not 100 sold on the, the idea that part of the Herbert checkdown stuff is not himself. But at the end of the day, this is a guy who consistently has the lowest turnover worthy play rate uh, in the NFL. It's been 1.6 each of the last two years. Uh, basically, Joe Burrow has been on the other guy at 2.2 percent, who's closest to him. There's a huge gap between him and everyone else. Uh, he's an elite processor. Everyone said that from from the film to anyone uh, uh, looking at the data. That is that is certainly true. Uh, he's very accurate. Uh, I imagine this year, as opposed to the last year, he will have more open receivers. I mean, you can't be more hurt than the Chargers uh, wide receiver group last year. He was throwing to DeAndre Carter, you know, on, uh, throwing dimes to DeAndre Carter on Sunday Night Football. I imagine there'll be more kind of stable, more open guys. Uh, he'll be as accurate as ever. Ten and a half is, is too high for, for the most accurate and probably best processor in the game. At plus money, no less. Yeah, I like that one. Um, you know, I think too, we're talking about a guy who was hurt last year, who was missing Rashawn Slater. Um, you know, not this is not the official make excuses for Justin Herbert podcast. It can be that at times. Um, also, George, I think I misspoke. I think feels yeah. it's still a bad number, even if you take away the sacks and the scrambles. So yeah. I didn't go ahead. I, did, I didn't want to I didn't want to like correct you there. I was pretty sure I had filtered that out okay. already, but I was like, oh, shoot, that makes sense. Maybe I have to check it. But yeah, I'll, I'll go into it uh, in a second here, but go ahead and go with your next pick. Yeah, so I'm now getting into the, the, the players where I like the over, but I have a genuine fear of if they play all the games. Um, th- those two guys for me, so you mentioned Tua Tagovailoa has actually had a pretty high turnover-worthy player rate pretty much his entire career uh, in the NFL. And then you, you do factor in, I think they are going to be in a lot of games where they are throwing all four quarters of the game, trying to make comebacks, trying to sustain leads against very good football teams. Like I think the volume is going to be there, but the concern is, you know, does he play all the games? And similar scenario, Matthew Stafford is going to have an atrocious defense. He is obviously always a guy who has not been afraid to, to pull the trigger. But again, is Stetson Bennett playing by week 10 so that Caleb Williams can be playing by week one? You know, that that is kind of the, the risk there. Yeah, it's um, it's really interesting. I, I, you mentioned Burrow, Judah, and um, I'm going to mention one of his counterparts, um, and, and that is Justin Herbert. So Herbert had 10 interceptions last year. And what if I told you that only four of those were actually turnover worthy plays. He actually had the lowest turnover worthy play rate in the NFL. And this is again, to be very clear and Brad brought this up, this is excluding uh, plays where it's a, you know, it's a sack or a fumble or a rush. So uh, fields does still have a 4.4% rate. That's not quite the highest, but still top three. Um, but if you look at the lowest rates of turnover really plays, Herbert and Burrow are there. Now, I know what everyone's saying. Oh, well, Herbert's going to throw the ball more downfield. He's got the same play caller that led Dak to lead the league in interceptions. All of that is noise. What I want to focus about is the fact that Herbert has actually been really good at avoiding throwing interceptions. That's still, I think, the person that, that, that he is. And a lot of that is his ability to process, to throw the ball downfield with accuracy. But last year, his 10 interceptions are misleading because only four of those were actually turnover worthy plays. In fact, he had 10 total turnover worthy plays all year. 
and 10 interceptions. So 10 turnworthy throws, 10 interceptions. And this is a this is a thing that I think is really cool about what PFF data has for us to look at, which is I think the analysis that a lot of books are doing is like looking at the number they had last year and kind of going, OK, like, is there a chance that their situation is more or less conducive to throwing interceptions? And so I think everyone will look at Herbert and go, oh, yeah, that's going to be an over. He had 10 last year. He didn't throw the ball downfield. He's definitely going to go over that. And I would actually go the other way. I would fade that narrative and go under because of the fact that he's been so good at avoiding them. And that I think that 10 number is a little bit inflated. And I think the same is true of Joe Burrow. In fact, of his 12 interceptions, only five uh, were turnover worthy throws. That is uh, 41.7%, which is just a little bit higher than Herbert's 40%. Those were the two lowest in the NFL of of, of regular starters in the NFL. And so that I think speaks to both of those uh, being really shrewd and and good picks. Yeah, I've got, Um, I've got one more. Got one more? Got one more. Yeah. Another guy with the same prop, but actually uh, the plus money side on this one is the over, which is Geno Smith at 10 and a half interceptions. And I think this is a volume play and just like Geno Smith throws the most deep balls in the NFL and like, that's a great style, but the trade-off is you're going to have a couple of picks there. Just like, again, we're betting volume at the end of the day, and obviously percentages are are meaningful. He led the NFL in, in turnover-worthy plays, or maybe he was second to, to Josh Allen. No, he was tied with Josh Allen, number one, with 29 turnover-worthy plays. Uh, this is a guy who should be throwing, as we've talked about, uh, a lot. They've got great receivers. They're going to be throwing. He's going to be throwing deep. Uh, he's at the same prop as Justin Herbert. This is a, a gap of uh, many, many, many turnover worthy plays. Uh, it's just, he's for a guy of, of his style, he's going to throw uh, a bunch of interceptions so long as he stays healthy. He has more than twice the turnover worthy throw rate of Justin Herbert, uh, to your point. So he had 4.2% uh, of throws. So this, I'm excluding uh, players that didn't have a lot of dropbacks. Fields was still number one. And then uh, to your point, her, uh, Geno Smith tied it at uh, for third. Um, actually tied for second because Matt Ryan doesn't exist in the NFL anymore um, at a rate of 4.2, but 29 overall and had 11 picks last year. Um, you know, you look at the other guys that had close to the, you know, just had over 25 turnover worthy plays and you've got, uh, you know, Josh Allen, he had 14 interceptions. Um, I mean, look, uh, Dak Prescott, where is he at? He had only 18 turnover worthy throws. Uh, and 50 interceptions. So I think it, it's it's a really, really, really good point. They also invested in another wide receiver. So there's reason to continue to throw the ball. Really like the Geno Smith, uh, Geno Smith pick. Yeah, I love it too. I was going to shout it out. I do think it's funny. You could probably argue though that JSN and Charbonnet were like picks to make him throw fewer interceptions by <laughs> either like handing the ball off or throwing it, you know, less for far down the field. Yeah. But um, I do like that one. I think, you know, a little bit of concern of like, are they going to feel less pressure to throw a ton with a better defense with some bad division opponents? Um, but yeah, his numbers, when you look at the numbers we're all looking at right now on ultimate, they, they jump off the page. Um, I'll go one last one. And I think George, you kind of just said exactly what I was thinking here. Um, meaning who else they're going to turn to. So Jordan Love, not only in his limited NFL sample, but also you go back and look at Utah State, had a pretty high turnover-worthy play rate, always kind of been part of his game. The Packers are not going to hand the ball to Sean Clifford or whoever if Love is, like, pretty bad. He's going to play the whole season. And then 
Look, we like Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed. I just named maybe their top four weapons, and they're all rookies or sophomores. Like, they're going to have tipped tip balls or run the wrong route or, you know, stuff like that happen throughout the season. So um, his is 11 and a half. It is pretty high. But, I, you know, I think they are going to run the ball a lot with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. But, but he's going to have a lot of opportunity to throw him, and I don't think he's going to get yanked uh, if he does throw a couple. That's it's a really good point. Um, Geno Smith was going to be the the one I was going to mention. I'm not going to kind of reach for another one, but I will say if you want to dig into this yourself, you do get uh turn worthy plays, turn worthy play rate with your PFF plus subscription. And right now is a good time to go get one because I don't know if you've been under a rock. I have, I just scheduled my fantasy draft like this weekend. Um, but they're coming fast and furious and uh, PFF has you covered over 200 written pieces of content that gets you started. You've got premium stats with all that information. I pointed this out, by the way, Judah, in one of the walkthrough videos I did for the product, but we give you man and zone grades. So you can go capitalize on that right away in terms of man coverage grade for, for receivers being more stable, find some sleepers that way. And we have a really great new product, which is a live draft assistance. So you can sync your league, whether it's ESPN, Yahoo, or sleeper and get, uh, optimal pick suggestions at every single pick. We also have an algorithm that predicts the availability of players in future rounds. So you can kind of game theory your way uh, through Timo Riske, who I think most of the people in this podcast know brains behind that operation along with Nathan Yankee and the whole team here. So very much encourage you to go grab that. You get a free draft kit with the purchase of an annual subscription. So go make that happen right now. PFF.com and the PFF app. All right. Um, Let's get to uh, a little bit, actually, one more thing that I should mention, which is our friends at DraftKings. Um, and speaking of, you know, football and all the the betting that is happening, we've been talking about the DraftKings best ball uh, opportunity that you can still go get into, I believe. I think it's still going. If I'm wrong, you can, you know, go yell at me on Twitter. But it is now the time to take advantage of the offers that they have for actual betting. And that means college football, which is coming up. And we're going to talk about some college football bets here in just a second, because our guy Brad, noted uh, Vanderbilt Commodores fan, didn't quite get through the, the the window yesterday, but he's got some some good stuff for us on non-doors football. Um, you can go to Bet College Football on DraftKings, get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you use promo code PFF and bet just $5 on any college football game. Um, so those $200, you can then go put into the bets that we just talked about. Uh, with interception props because those are available on DraftKings. So go make that happen. Download the DraftKings app. Use promo code PFF. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Oh my God, this is the longest read of all time. In New York, call uh, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Brad, I'm sure you have that one on speed dial. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, I'm not making this up, in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, cdkng.com slash football for eligibility, terms and responsible gaming resources, bonus bets, uh, expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. I, is anyone still listening to the podcast after that read? DraftKings.com for details. <laughs> what was that? Oh my God! It's easier to get. You can get a mortgage with uh, a nine percent interest rate. Easier than that. That Brilliant. was extraordinary. Perfect. Perfect execution. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, let's talk a little college football. The USC Trojans 
did not cover the San Jose State. I don't even know what they are, but they covered. Uh, PFF Green Line liked them. Uh, that's all I know. Uh, so uh, feed us a little bit more because it got a little taste of it here with uh, week zero. But the real college football kind of starts this week, Brad. So um, you're the one that's kind of plugged in here. Talk to us. Yeah. So, you know, like you just mentioned, obviously go check out Green Line. I want to say it was, it was very successful last year in the college game in particular. Um, you know, I, I don't think any of us are the biggest college football people by any stretch, but I definitely hop on Green Line, see what they like, poke some holes in it, see how it goes uh, and play from there. So there is one play I like for this weekend. Um, and that is it's interesting because it's a big spread on a small total, but is Kentucky laying 26 points against Ball State um, with an over-under of 48.5. So that does raise some red flags, which I totally understand. But you look at this Kentucky team, I think a lot of what ailed them last year, you go out and get your offensive coordinator back in Liam Cohen, you get an NC State quarterback transfer in Devin Leary, who I really like as well. Um, This is a good football team. I think a team that is going to cause some problems in the SEC East. It's going to be low scoring. It's going to be ugly. But I see like a 35-3 type final here. I think Kentucky's a little bit underrated right now out of the East. Agree. Agree. Here's my assessment of college football thus far. Okay. Um, Caleb Williams is going to be the number one overall pick. And what I am really excited about now, I tweeted this out, the Rams um, and, and Sean McVay watching him play, watching him throw darts all around the field. Um, I th- This is going to be a fascinating season because as long as like he stays healthy the dude is like Teflon, right? He's like a great kid. Everyone loves him. He's amazing. He's like got all these Patrick Mahomes-like traits. Like it's just going to be so much fun. And there are so many NFL teams that just have like nothing. Like they should just start playing for Caleb Williams right away. Um, It's really going to be fascinating. That's my assessment of college football. Um, And so I, I will, I will defer completely to green line. Judah, are you like me or do you, do you find yourself in the uh, dark caverns? Yeah. You took me back to, you know, back in the early days when I started with PFF, I know it's the San Jose state Spartans because I would, I would be charting the games, you know, tracking them and the Spartans, their Jersey numbers, which is kind of how you uh, identify the players on the field. Uh, Or if you're initially, and then you like kind of like the accessories and like what ankle socks are they wearing? But oh, I was going to say, you're a huge rookie. You're a rookie if you're oh, looking no, at the Oh, no, no, no. So the first time, you have to look at oh, the yeah, numbers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you start to say, like, okay, you know, number 52 wears whatever, the socks and this. I just remember doing a San Jose State Spartans game. It was very late on a Saturday night, and I just could not make out any of the jersey numbers at any point. And I was just <laughs> totally guessing. Uh it was it was it was a little bit of a harder story, but back then, you know, I could uh, I can name you a lot of the college football rosters. At this point, uh, I'm a little bit a little bit in the dark. Uh, I I don't generally watch you know Saturday afternoon games, so I, I only get the eight o'clock primetime ones. Which is look if, if I if I could, I am I'm sure I would devour anything college football. But it's a it's a PFF uh, green line sort of situation for me as well. Yeah, it's like you got to pick. I have to pick my poison. Like I got to pick one day and Saturday is like the day. It's like, I just go balls to the wall. I will, you know, Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whole deal. So um, yeah, kind of like you. Um, Okay. Let's uh, let's close out with this. So um, we are, we mentioned that we're doing a guess the lines contest this year. If you have not heard about it, we guess the lines, your new podcast every single Sunday night, 
It is a tradition unlike any other. Um, it's inspired by Bill Simmons, who used to do it with um, his buddy, or he still does it with his buddy, cousin Sal. Uh, we try to do it with like some actual watching of the football games before um, and to try and, and actually be good at this. Um, no disrespect. Um, but uh, it's really fun. It's a great time. And we are going to open it up to all the members of the Discord. So you're going to be able to guess the lines with us. We're going to be able to track um, how people are doing and see, uh, you know, first off, if you're as uh, who's the most accurate and who is, um, you know, kind of like guessing wrong in the most correct way, if that makes sense. So like when you're off on a number, do you end up, um, you know, betting that if you bet it, would you be profitable, which is kind of how we think about it. So um, you'll definitely want to join the discord for that. But we're also going to do something uh, in addition to that. We are going to sign up as a group, uh, me, Brad, Judah, and Arjun, uh, who'll be back from his summer abroad uh, soon enough. Um, we are going to enter the, the Circle Millions contest, um, the four of us. And there are five picks, if you're unfamiliar. The way that this works is you pick five games every week against the spread. Um, and uh, each win counts as a point. Uh, each loss obviously counts as zero. So the fit one of the picks each week, we will make a uh, printing press Discord pick. So if you join the contest, you'll be able to um, be a part of the decision for that pick. Um, and then, of course, if we happen to win some money, the, the printing press and those that contribute will, uh, you know, benefit as well. We'll throw it. You know, if we if we win, we should just admit that we're going to throw an enormous party and invite all the members of the Discord, and it'll be. Yeah, that'd be a great time. Um, so uh, if you have not, by the way, participated in those contests, I highly recommend it. It's a great way to allocate capital and be invested throughout the season with, you know, while managing a bankroll, right? Because you you put your money in at the start and there are mini contests. So you every four weeks is a mini contest in of itself, which is cool. So even if you, you know, stink it up for the first 10 weeks of the season, like there's still something uh, to play for. Um and it's a good way to, you know, kind of keep, stay connected with, uh, with friends. So, um, I guess I want to ask you guys, have you ever done this before? Is this going to be your first time doing it? And, uh, if not, or, or regardless, kind of what is something that you're thinking about strategically as we get ourselves mentally prepared for this? I'll start with you, Brad. Uh, first time, I don't know, um, if I've done enough research, even to speak on intelligently, I obviously follow it every year. I always see the, you know, kind of consensus picks or the, what percentage the, the pool that Circa has on certain games. Um, and I'm guessing, uh, when I do dive in maybe to a degree, you kind of want to, you know, not fade the, you know, it's obviously, there's not a lot of squares I'm sure in the circuit contest, but you know, you have to pick your spots to where if it's a heavily consensus, everyone likes it that week. Maybe there is some value in kind of going against the grain. Um, but yeah, I need to dive in and do a, a whole lot of research before we kick this thing off. Yeah, this is, uh, this is my second year in the, doing the, the circuit contest. Um, we'll disappoint no survivor. I, I need some redemption last year. I lost you know, Bengals, uh, Cowboys week two, Cooper Rush. It was, that was, that was tough. Uh, so, so I need some redemption there. Um, yeah, I think Brad, to, to your point, actually something we've found uh, and some research I've done is that it's actually probably the, the correlated thing to do there is actually fade kind of the public. Uh, but I actually think, yes, this is a, a, a Circa is a game theory type game. I actually, I think at the end of the day, unless you're like, uh, in the fourth week of one of these weeks and you're, you're like really got to be strategic like 
most weeks, just go with the picks that you have the most conviction in. Uh, and like, I think kind of like a lot of kind of, and I was certainly guilty of this last year. It's like a lot of like galaxy brain takes of like, oh, I think that this pick will be popular and you kind of lose sight of the fact that like, no, the, the point of this game is you get to pick only so many spreads. These are the ones you should have the most conviction in. And also like, we have no idea who's actually going to be popular unless you get a situation like last year, like the Jaguars uh, Chargers game where uh, the line moved like six points, that fine. Maybe you get some little game theory in there, but yet like most picks should just be the ones you have the most conviction in. Worry about the the game theory of it, like when it really comes down to it. Worry about what other people are going to do when it comes when it comes to it. I, I agree. I've been doing this contest. Um, I started in, with the super contest a while back. In fact, I think I've told this story before, but my buddy, um, who, who his name uh, I may have mentioned before, but we've done it for a while, and uh, there was one year where we were in second, I believe, going into week thirteen. Um, and, uh, so we had obviously been doing pretty well. And, um, I think we took the Colts three times in the last three or four weeks. One of which was the Colts bills game in the snow where shady McCoy rumbled and stumbled and bumbled his way. And, and that, that was the sign that we weren't going to win because we ended up losing that game, which the, I forget what the spread was. It was like four and a half, five and a half or something. It should have absolutely covered the freaking Colts should have won that game. Um, we ended up kind of staggering our way to the end. And so the lesson that I learned from that is exactly what you talked about judo, which is you can't galaxy brain yourself. The, the more you overthink things, the less you get, the more you get away from the fundamentals of what makes, you know, a good bet. And I actually think that is the core takeaway, which is you need to go into the season kind of having a game plan for, okay, what are the things that we're going to look for and carry those themes throughout the season? Sometimes it's teams that you believe in, that you feel like you believe in more than the market does for different reasons, right? Those are generally going to be valuable in for you and others will not see them, um, including the market, because really you're just playing against the market until to your point, you get to the end where you are playing against others, uh, in which case you might want to think about that. I like to try and guess the consensus picks just for fun, but you got to remember that everyone else is trying to do that too. <laughs> so you're yeah. almost just like, you're just totally confusing yourself. If you do that, I do think it's fun to try and get into heads though of people and be like, what will those consensus picks be more as a thought exercise? Um, but what I would challenge us to do, and if you're joining uh, this contest as well, is to go in with some themes and you know some ways that you're going to identify things. Maybe if you have a group of people, you kind of have some some differences in the way that you do that. I think that is also very, very good. Um, one thing that I've noticed is generally if you are like on the same page as someone too much, uh, you're probably not looking at things deeply enough. And you need a decent amount of disagreement and different kind of points of view to really get to, to some good bets. Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a ton of fun. You also just like, you have to get kind of lucky. Like the, the, the teams that have won this have absolutely blitzkrieg. Uh, in fact, it was uh, communicated to us by a member of the printing press that the winners last year are members of the printing press. Listen to the PFF forecast. Um, so shout out to them. Uh, congratulations, fellas, I think, and and any ladies that are uh, involved as well, if you are. Um, really good work. Uh, hopefully you guys uh, continue to, to listen to us this year, and hopefully the winner is uh, maybe on this podcast right now, or at least listening. Um, but uh, but yeah, and if you're signing up tomorrow and you're at you're at uh, Circus Sportsbook, come say what's up. Um, I will either be there or at the pool. So 
come say hello. That hey, is our if podcast. You win, if you yeah, win the whole thing, if you win the whole thing and we help you, just you know, feel free to kick us a little, uh, yeah. a little piece of the pie, you know. Yeah. Toss, toss a little something, something our way. Um, you know, never hurt. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I guess I got to figure out because I can't really bet like substantial amounts on on futures here in California. So if there are any futures that um, I really want to get something down on, I, I kind of got to figure it out in the next. Uh, the next few hours so I can get them out there. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, that was our podcast. We'll be back with you on Wednesday night. Um, the last Wednesday night until it is football eve. That's going to be very exciting. So thank you guys for hanging out with us. Love you all. We'll see you then. Peace. Thank you.